This morning, uh, I was so touched by the morning service, and as I watched the missionaries and was praying for them, I was uh, just uh, amazed by the great love that our Lord has for this world and uh, sending some of his, his best children to uh, reach those who are lost and uh, to uh, see your dedication to that. Uh, this is really a great opportunity because this is what this Christmas offering is all about. I mean, you're investing, and uh, you know, if, if you're a good investor, you, you're going to have to check on, well, okay, how's that working out? You know, am I making a good investment? Is this, is this working well? So this is reporting time. You know, this is pressure time for me. You know, this is where the sweat rolls down my head, right? And I'm like, wow, I've got I've to present to a church that has invested so much in what we're doing. And, uh, you know, to God be the glory, we, we have done nothing. <clears throat> we can do nothing. Anything that you'll see today that you would say, man, I, I think that's wonderful. You'll know that's God that's doing that. So again, on behalf of my, my wife, I send her greetings. Um, her father passed away just recently, and she's still kind of processing all of that. So I told her, you know what, she was willing to come, but I could tell she was pushing, and so I said, you probably need to just uh, take it easy. So thank you for praying. I, I did bring a gift. I should mention it before I forget it. I brought a gift for pastor here. And uh, these are handmade shirts uh, from Uganda. And I uh, brought two because I, I really don't know what kind of a personality your pastor has. So I brought two that are very contrasting. And uh, these, uh, they're made out of a special fabric called onion skin. I don't know why they call it that, but they do. Uh, it has nothing to do with onions. I know that much. Anyway, um, so we're going to have to find out from you how well you know your pastor this morning. So uh, this is the first shirt. And then this is the second one. Uh, so, you know, this is the kind of shirt you wear in the day you want to send that message, I don't care what you think of me, you know? <laughs> this, is, this, is where, this is the day you wear that shirt, you know? Uh, so, how many of you would say this shirt, this is definitely pastor? Raise your hand if you think this is definitely... This can't be as a form of a punishment either on your, on your pastor. Don't worry, you have veto power, Mrs. Peterson. All right, so how many of you would say, no, definitely this one's more pastor? Yes. Okay, so I think, all right, she, she got the vote on that one. So. <laughs> so most of the church knows their pastor well. The rest of you are going to have to work on that a little bit. I did send, uh, bring a gift for others as well. You know, missionaries, we, you are so giving, and it's overwhelming sometimes. And just everything, even in the little the house there, just overwhelming how you take care of us. So, so well. I honestly don't, don't know any other situation like it. Uh, but uh, we like to bring gifts for you as well. So I did bring a gift. Uh, it's a book called Perfect Peace Forever with God. It's an evangelistic booklet that you can lead someone to Christ to. And then there's a follow-up called Perfect Love. I call this baby formula for Christians. It was made for the first two months of a new believer's life. So like they get saved, you say, tomorrow we start this. Sometimes somebody gets saved and we're like, well, maybe eight months later we'll try to get them into that uh, church discipleship program. I know that's not true here. I know they're plugged in right away. But in many cases, there's not the one-on-one -on -one touch. And this allows you to help them. It's the Christian life through the lens of a, a new relationship, not a new set of rules. And uh, so it'll be, I think it'll be a help. All right, so that's that. Please pick one of those up on the table back there uh, at some point in time. And I have more, so don't, don't feel like if they're running out that there won't be enough. So I know there were probably some of you here who were not here seven years ago when we first came and 
presented the work. So let me just run through some very quick details. I'll try to go fast sometimes and then maybe slow down on some, some key areas so that we don't run out of time. But Uganda is in East Africa, so you follow Egypt down south. You have Egypt, Sudan, South Sudan, and then our country, Uganda. So where we are, we're at where the three countries meet together, Congo, South Sudan, and Uganda, in that corner right there. That's called the West Nile region. Uganda as a country is about the size of Oregon. This district, this region that we're in, is about the size of Israel, just a little bit larger and has a population of 6 million, 5, 6 million, whereas Israel has a population of 10 million. So there's some similarities. It is even divided into 12 districts, and we have eastern tribes on the other side of the river. Uh, but uh, that's where God's called us to work. And uh, in our first term, we were really just trying to figure things out. What does God want us to do? How do we work with this culture in, in the most effective way to get the gospel out? And we came to the conclusion that it was going to be through a training center. So we built a training center last term. Uh, we finished, I think, uh, a few years ago, two, two and a half years ago. And again, this is something that you financed. So we would, there's no way in the world we'd ever be able to build something like this. It has dorm rooms. It has classrooms. And we have about 80 students. They don't all show up at the same time, which is a good thing because we only have 40 beds. But we have had 50 before, and we've had to put 10 on the ground, which they don't mind. But um, we meet four times a year, so quarterly, for two weeks. And that just works better for them. In, it's an agricultural society, so they have gardens to tend to, they, so we can't really have three-month semesters. So four times a year, we meet for two weeks. Very intensive, 7 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock the, in the evening. It's going on right now. This happens to be uh, time for uh, the last one of the year. So, uh, this is really a great opportunity. We obviously, our number one goal is to help them to rightly divide the Word of God. So, this is one of many books that they get. Every student goes through the gospel, so they learn what is the theology, the soteriology, what's the gospel, and uh, how they can thoroughly present that. And I have a great appreciation for your pastor and his uh, clarity on that. You notice these uh, guys on the front have these colorful shirts, these are our mentors. So when you come to the training center, we ask you right away, are you a disciple or a mentor? If they say neither, we tell them, well, you can leave in the morning. Thanks for coming by and visiting. Uh, we're very serious about training. You're either a mentor or you're a disciple. You're one of those two. That should be true in any church. We, we have to establish in them a DNA of reproducibility. And the only way to do that is to start at the very beginning showing them discipleship is the key to church planting and church growth. So we're not, we're not going to play around with it. If we do that, eventually the whole focus, the whole philosophy uh, just gets lost. Uh, so we're not really mean or anything, but you know, I think you get the point. But uh, we're training these guys uh, with uh, theology, and then we also have a very practical side, which is how do you evangelize? How are you going to go into a village and preach the gospel and see people saved? We have a... Uh, a book called Wise Unto Salvation. We've translated it now into five different languages. So we'd like to get it into all of the West Nile languages. That would be our, our goal. And then maybe South Sudan uh, and other places. But this helps them to stay on target and not to chase too many rabbits. Uh, it's just a very thorough biblical presentation of the gospel from a Ugandan perspective. So we have big banners. You can see here is a picture of a banner they would use 
So one student will hold the banners up, and then the other one will teach through the lessons. Now, generally, when they do that, we'll see maybe 15 or 20 people get saved. You know, the gospel is the power of God into salvation, so we expect people to get saved, and they do. And uh, then we begin going through this book, Making Disciples for Jesus, which is uh, it's very basic. You can see it's not very big, but it's about a year's worth of material basically helping them to understand what is a church? What is eternal security? What does it mean that the Spirit of God lives inside of you right now? We just go through basic teaching, and uh, we try to get the group going together right away on that. Out of that group of, say, 15 or 20, there probably is going to be about three, maybe four or five, who are really dedicated, and they want to meet daily. For them, we, we have a little packet of cards that we give them, Strong Foundation, helping them to build a strong foundation for their own ministry. And uh, this, these are made specifically with illiterate people in mind. Most of the people that we are ministering to would be illiterate. And uh, so because they have a deficiency, generally they make up for that in their memory. You know, a, uh, a person who is blind will hear things that you don't hear. And uh, why? Well, they've kind of honed that skill you know, further along so that it makes up for that deficit. Well, that's kind of what we have done with these cards. Uh, uh, people who can't read have an amazing ability to memorize. When I w went there, someone told me that they could memorize 10 to 15 verses in less than 30 minutes. Now, I don't know if you have a memorization thing you do here. You know, you're trying to, the church is trying to memorize a, a several verses. But how long would it take you to memorize 10 to 15 verses? It would take you a long time. And, and I watched them in less than 30 minutes. They were, they were saying it verbatim. And they use hand motions with every distinct phrase. That kind of helps them. And again, that's the way their mind works. It works just a little bit differently. So these cards are, are made with, with icons that help them to remember what the point is. Now, we have a, a reference so they can see the reference and they recognize it. And then they can quote that verse. And then the icons will help show them what to say next. Let's just, for an example, you see up in the corner there, the uh, two people with the wedding rings. So, right? This is the first lesson on baptism. So they see the wedding rings and they remember what we taught them, that a wedding ring doesn't make you married. So we, when we're teaching them this, we say, you know, if, if I put this wedding ring on, does that make me married? And at first they're like, yeah, yeah, that makes you married. So we bring a five-year-old up. You know, we say, okay, well, let's put this on Johnny. Is he married now? And they're like, no, no. Okay, so they get the point, right? And I tell them, if I take the wedding ring off, am I suddenly not married? And they're like, uh, what answer do you want to this? You know? <laughs> so I say, well, you can ask my wife about that one. I'm still married. I guarantee it, okay? Taking, having the wedding ring on or off doesn't make you married or not make you married. It's a symbol, a symbol that shows you are not ashamed of the one you made a covenant vow with that you are now one with. And so that's what baptism is. Baptism is a symbol. So we go through all of that, and we teach them how to say that. And again, they'll remember it you know, better than I can. You know, I've got a book. I could read the book and figure out how it works, but they don't. So their mind is very keen to remember that. So we have a, a good stack of cards, and they are taught these cards and then given an opportunity to stand up and to declare these, these truths. So again, what are we doing? These are just basic steps to creating disciples and leaders. You have to start somewhere. And generally, where you start and where you want to get to, there are going to be little steps in between. That's the painful part of ministry, isn't it? I'm a visionary. I like to describe mountaintops. And sometimes my wife's not a visionary. She's a detail person. 
So I'm just talking about, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And she's like, Phil, stop, stop. I'm like, what? What's wrong? And for me, I'm just like flying in an airplane over it. And her, she's got a backpack and she's climbing through the trees, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there are details that we, we, we have. And so we want to work through those things. Let me just show you one other tool that we have that we've been using. Sometimes we'll go into a, uh, a village and maybe 20 people will get saved and none of them can read. And we have to leave. So they ask us, well, uh, what should we do next week on Sunday? Should we go back to the Anglican church? Should we go to the Catholic church? And we tell them, no, don't do that. You are a church. You're a group of believers. Now, you're a baby church, but uh, you are a church. So, um, okay, well, who's going to read the Bible? Well, that's where this comes in. This is called a proclaimer, and I'll I'll give you a little bit of a a taste of this thing. It can usually... So it's basically an audio Bible in their language. And it has a solar panel in the back, so two, three hours they can fully charge this, and uh, it'll be good for, for several days. If it's, uh, it happens to be a rainy season and there's no sunshine, there's a little crank here on the side, and you can have the eight-year-old boys line up and take their turn, you know? <laughs> like do it Huck, Huck Finn style, like, who wants to turn the crank? <laughs> we know you all want to do that. And so, um, so, again, that's an obstacle that we, we try to move through so that you can continue. God's plan is the gospel to every creature. And if we said, well, you know, 90% of the people we're talking with are, are uh, illiterate, so we're, we're going to have to depend on 10% of our army. You're not going to win a war that way. And fact is, you're probably not even serious about winning the war. You know, what army has ever won a battle with 10% of their army? You know, I don't think it's ever happened. So if we're serious about the Great Commission going to every creature, we have to utilize every individual, which means you have to make it possible for them and put something in their hands that they can use. Now, the, how unique the tool is doesn't really matter, does it? David killed Goliath with the sling and stones, and that's a great principle for us, that it's not really you know, how impressive the tool is. It's that we trust in God to use what we have, and trusting that God can use anyone. So we, uh, we really try to uh, get these guys going on that. Now, at the end of the training, <clears throat> we start honing them into where is your vision for? What are you burdened about? Because otherwise it stays very nebulous in general. Or they may say, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach Egypt for, for Christ. So we'll say, well, what about your own home village? Have you ever <clears throat> really proclaimed the gospel there? And most of the time it's no. So we encourage them, maybe that's where you should go. But we, we, we just are there to encourage them. They have their own walk with God, and they have to make their own decisions. Then we will sit down with them and ask them, how can we help? This, this group of guys there, they were planting a church, and they did. It's going now. And uh, they asked for some banners. You can see in the picture there and some uh, gospel tracts and some of these uh, cards. Uh, so uh, we, we help them. Sometimes after they've gone through the uh, Wise Unto Salvation for two weeks, we will join them and set up for the Jesus film and uh, show the Jesus film. And that can be very, very effective because they're very visual and they love stories. Uh, So they don't think in logical sequence like Western minds do. They think in stories like the Hebrew mind would think, that Eastern way of thinking. And uh, so uh, we we try to to just help them and, and encourage them to go. In many cases, they don't have local churches because our area is very underdeveloped. So 
it's hard for, to, to, for us to tell them, hey, you need to be sent out from your local church and start a church out of your local church, which that is ideal, and that's our first way of doing things, but sometimes uh, that's not even possible. So anyway, I thought I would show you just a few of the districts and uh, where our guys are working. So you can, um, you can see there's a black dot wherever one of our students is involved, and that could mean that they've been there two weeks or two years. It could mean that it's the very beginning of a work or they're just getting ready to start a church. You can see where there's a little church icon, that's where a church is fully established. So this is a Jumani, and I'm going to just go through this pretty quickly, Moyo, Obongi, Kaboko, and this is where we're from. We're from Arua, and uh, since I've been back, I had, I've had to update my media presentation because we have a new church that just started and a new outreach and so, so it's always good to see things moving along. And then in Nebi as well, this has become a church, Pakwatch. Yumbe is about 80% Muslim, so it's a very unique district. Uh, Uganda as a whole is only 12% Muslim. So uh, this is like maybe the strongest centralization of, of uh, Muslims. But you can see God's work, doing a great work there, amen? And uh, this is, uh, we, we are close to the Congo. I can get on my motorcycle and be in the Congo in about 10 or 15 minutes. It's that close. So we have two students from there who have churches, and they are also planting churches there. As I said, we're close to South Sudan. We have two students from South Sudan, and uh, they are also trying to plant churches. And so here's what the overall picture looks like in our little area, the West Nile region, as I said, about the size of Israel. And, of course, our goal is for it to look more like that. But uh, right now, it, uh, obviously, we're, we're just a work, a work in progress. But God is doing a great work. Sometimes there's churches being planted where we don't even uh, have it on the map here, and then others they're dropping off where it's just not uh, reception or, or what have you. So that's, uh, that's where that's at. And we'd love to see these two become churches as well. They're in South Sudan. And then the ones in the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, we'd like to see those come in. The training center that I showed you earlier is right there. That's where the training center is, and it's a great blessing because... A lot of these guys don't, don't feel like they have anybody to share their burdens with. They don't have anybody to pray with. And, uh, and they get discouraged in ministry. It's not like American ministry. I think that probably goes without saying. But um, we, we lose guys to immorality. We lose guys to financial corruption. So it uh, can be very discouraging. So the training center brings them all together. Um, and we, we pray together. We have wonderful you know, hour-long prayer meetings. They're just crying out to God. Uh, just wonderful. Uh, they, they're having a great time. Joe, who is my colleague, told me that things are going really well this week. We want to build a training center right there. And uh, there's a few reasons why. This is a different people group, so it's, it has a different language. We have about 10 students that travel five hours down to where we are. And it's very hard for them because they, they don't speak the local language. They speak another language. They know some English. Uh, but uh, we feel like they really need a training center in their own language. We already have about 50 students that are in a waiting line saying, when are we going to start? So another reason why we want to start a training center there is uh, on this map, everywhere you see a triangle is a, um, a refugee camp for South Sudanese refugees. So remember I said South Sudan is just right north of us. So South Sudan is very volatile right now. I think that you know that. And so about a million refugees have, have fled from their country and they live in tent cities 
uh, like, like you could see right here. This, you've seen this before. And um, that's where they're living. So this training center would, would be just right there in the midst of all of that. Many of these South Sudanese refugees have already come to know Christ as their Savior. And um, we want to train them. We don't know how long we have. It, it, you know, peace could be restored within the next five years. And, uh, they, you know, nobody wants to live in a tent city. You know, they want to go back home. Many of them have land. They have homes. Uh, but they're stuck here, and some of them have been here for years. So one of the purposes of that training center is to train these men, equip them, and send them back as their own missionaries to their own homeland, South Sudan. So we can really multiply our work. If we go over into South Sudan, it's very dangerous. It's not wise, probably, for most people. And we also have the cultural difficulties and the language difficulties. So by having a good group of these men come to the training center, uh, you know, four times a year, we can kind of do the training right here. And, uh, and we can do it in their own language as well. So that's a big burden. We have already purchased land, and uh, we are... Uh, building right now. These are a little bit older pictures. This is what it will look like completely developed. But um, I just got some pictures yesterday, and they're, they're about window height on the walls. So on some of it, not all of it, but some of it. So it's moving right along. Uh, the, it'll have classrooms and dorm rooms and a kitchen and, and you know, what they would need. But uh, at the total project is about $65,000, which you can't build a shed for that here, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, all the tape, paperwork you have to go through and the red tape you have to cut. But uh, we're 65000 and we already have 50000 of it. And so we are, God is blessing in so many ways. So please pray for that. It's such a strategic thing uh, for God to get the gospel into South Sudan and uh, these men training among us. I did want to tell you that we, uh, we have a couple that works with us, Joe and Lindsay Reisinger. Um, he is the one conducting classes right now, and uh, they are great, great friends. Uh, you know, you need that companionship, and he has a great burden for Uganda. He is actually in, working right now to put a radio tower in Yumbe. Remember, that's that uniquely Muslim district. So, you know, a radio ministry is very good for a stronghold of Muslims because many of them will not... Um, identify with you under a mango tree worshiping Jehovah. But there are a lot of Nicodemus Muslims who at night will go home and turn their radio on and say, I want to hear about this. So uh, we are being very strategic about what we're doing. Ne next year we have a group of, of uh, 25 to 30 uh, doctors and nurses coming on a missions trip. I think they're coming in June. And uh, they can... Um, they can actually help between 250 and 300 people a day. So I think we have them for 10 days. So we're talking about maybe two to 3,000 people. They do eye exams and they bring glasses and all kinds of prescriptions. They do dental work and other things. I mean, right up to surgery. No surgery, but right up to that, they pretty much do that. So um, you could see what we're thinking. You know, we, we want them to know that we love them. Because they already have an apprehension. Yeah, you're going to come up here and you're going to mess up our way of life. And uh, you're going to convert my wife. And then I'm going to, you know, have to throw rocks at her every night, you know, and, you know, whatever. So uh, we want them to know, no, we love you. And uh, this is the love of Christ. Christ did come and he did heal. And he did reveal himself in that way. So we want to show that compassion. 
But ultimately, uh, we, we certainly want to reach that with the gospel. So the radio tower would, would probably be within the next maybe four or five years. It takes a long time to, to get that established. So anyway, something to pray about. And then there's another couple who ministers with us, Jordan and Alicia Karecki. And he has a special burden for a tribe called the Nubi. It's a relatively unreached tribe in Uganda. And he is a, a language expert. So he has like multiple years of Greek and Hebrew and various things. And he is working right now to translate the Bible into the Nubi language. And uh, they're, they're translating. The, they started in the Gospel of John. That's where they started. And that's what they're doing right now. So he has a team of uh, Nubi, Nubians that are working with him. And God's really blessing that project. There's this one guy who's like the uh, kind of the one who understands the history of the Nubian language better than anybody in all of Uganda. He worked for the president to translate for the Nubians, and excellent. And he wanted to be a part of this project. Uh, you know, to, hey, I wouldn't mind having my, my name in the credits, you know, in the front of that as far as being one of the contributors to a Nubian Bible. So anyway, these are some of the guys that are working with us and, and doing a great job. Um, some other people that I hope you'll pray for, the two guys on the right are Ronnie and Nuru, and <clears throat> these guys are not pastors, they're not gifted as pastors, they're gifted as evangelists, so they gravitate toward me because I'm an evangelist and they, we have the same spiritual gifting. But these guys, if you remember our map and you remember all those black dots on the map, well, when we're not in training session, these guys travel from black dot to black dot and uh, just encourage the, the ones who are working there. So they may bring materials. They may come and help with the Jesus film. They may just come and say, look, we're just here to pray. We're going to spend one week here. We pray, you minister. Or they may just get involved in evangelism themselves or all of the above. But uh, these two guys are under so much attack. In fact, the one in the foreground, Nuru, uh, is really struggling right now. I'll just be transparent with you. And so please pray for him. He's really battling with the desire to make money or to continue living in poverty and serving the Lord. So it's a big battle. All of them face that same challenge. So pray for them. He is a converted Muslim, and uh, he, they've tried to kill him more than once. But uh, he is, uh, his family's all Muslim, and he is, God's just using him in a mighty way. And he's from Yumbe, so he's from a uh, fruit of that, that area there. All right. Let's see what's on here next. Okay, so my wife has a great passion for the women in Uganda, and she uh, has two different Bible studies with Ugandan ladies, and uh, she teaches them um, twice a week. And then once a year, she holds a conference for all of them. So you can see that here. And they have a great time. Ugandan women are not treated with much value. Most of them, you know, they, they're not educated because it's considered a waste of money. But, um, but Christine and Lindsay team together and just put on a great three and a half days. And I mean, they have so much fun. Ever seen this game where they put the cracker on the person's forehead, you know, and you can't use your hands, but you've got to find a way to get it down to your mouth? Oh, they played that game with those ladies, and I'm, I was, we could have charged admission. I mean, 10 bucks a head, because it was amazing. I mean, it was just the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life, because they, they don't have fun. It's not part of their culture. You know, most of them, they know when it's time to stop working, when the water breaks, and it's time to have a baby. That's when you go into the house and say, it's time to have a baby. And then one week after they have a baby, they're out in the field with the baby strapped to their back, and they're back at work. So this is a great way for us to show them love. Then we have a ministry called Students in Theological Training. <clears throat> 
twice a year, we have students from three local public schools who come. And um, I think the student body is about somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. So what we do is we send out 40 scholarships and we tell the administration, we want you to pick the 40 best students you have. I mean, the, the ones who pay the best attention, the ones with the best grades, the most respectful ones, and uh, send them to us. And all of the students are vying. They, they come by and say, please recommend me. And we'll say, well, that's not up to us. We don't do that. Uh, we, we, we leave that to your administration, so maybe you should be a very good student this semester. But we get them for two weeks, twice a year. And uh, basically, we're, we're giving them the gospel, teaching them other things. And uh, we also train them on how to use this book. And then we load them up, send them back to their public school, and say, you're the missionary to your public school. Tear it up. Get in there. Uh, so that's, a, that's been a very fruitful ministry for us. All right. I just put a few pictures here of the church buildings just to give you an idea that some of your investment goes to help churches. We don't, just, uh, we don't want to create an entitlement mentality, so we don't just, oh, we'll build you a church, don't worry about it. We really come alongside people that are already working, and they're not waiting for American money. They're like, we're going whether you give us help or not. Those are the ones we come and say, hey, you know what, let's help you by finishing your roof. So some of your money has gone to putting roof on this house and uh, other, other buildings. So um, really, we feel this is our our area here, we, we want to begin pushing up into South Sudan through this training center. Please pray for that. Oh, there's just been a lot of obstacles and a lot of things uh, hindering us from, from that, but, but the, it is moving forward. And this is not in Uganda. This is in Spokane, Washington. My friend lives there, and this is his property. And he sent me this picture, and about two months ago, I drove right by it. But I, I love this property. I'm like, How do, do, you, do you drive a helicopter? How do you get into your house? He's like, no, no, there is a way in. But this is what it's like in Uganda. We are surrounded by fields that are ready to harvest. The openness is, is something I can't even begin to explain to you. So please take a prayer card. On the back of the prayer card, we try to be strategic. So these are things going on right now. The Ajumini Training Center is the first thing that I would love to have you pray for. And the key leaders there, David, Joseph, and Joshua, uh, these three men are going to be tested like nothing else. Satan is trying to fight this so badly. And then Ronnie and Nuru, please pray for them, maybe with a special focus on Nuru. That's N-U-R-U. We would say it Nuru, uh, but they, they have a hard D. That's like, uh, hard R, I'm sorry. So it sounds like Nuru. And then uh, third of all, the church planters. Please pray for our church planters that uh, the Lord will continue to bless them and help them and help us to know how to help them. We want a strong indigenous church work where churches are very established, and then the work more will very quickly transfer to them from what we're doing. And pray for our family. Uh, we need your prayers very much. Uh, we've, we've lost a few of our kids, unfortunately, to uh, Bible college. Isaiah's in Bible college now, and uh, my daughter Hannah lives in Omaha with my parents. She looks like she might get married next summer. Not quite sure about that, but... Looks like it's going that way, all right. And then uh, our oldest son, Noah, please pray for him. He still has a lot of, of uh, struggles that we are trying to work through. He's autistic, so we're praying for him. We do have a quick video we'll show you, and that'll bring us right up to uh, 1045. So I, I hope this will help you kind of bring you right into Uganda.
There's no greater thrill than bringing light to a completely dark place. About seven months ago, we had the privilege of going to a village where the people were sitting in darkness. About four miles up the mountain, right on the South Sudan border, in a village called Abeso, we entered and the people had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine what it would have been like as uh, we met Matthew, 81 years old, 81 years there in that village, and had no contact with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we prayed fervently that God would bring light to that place, and just last week we had the opportunity to visit there again. Five days we spent bringing light into darkness, and we want you to join us on this quick journey. First day of our journey led us to the district of Nebi, where Rani and Nudu and Cosmos had been working for about a week among these people in a village called Mbaru. And uh, they had been ministering with the children and really uh, all the people in the village, and there was a great openness there. We were so thankful for Pastor Michael, who was our contact person there. <laughs> who has already been ministering and preaching the gospel there for so long, and a man with great passion for the gospel and a great love for the people who are there. Uh, we had a tremendous time in ministering, and really Isaiah and I had the chance just to see what God was already doing when we arrived. We invited the people on the final day of this ministry to come to see the Jesus film, and we were expecting maybe a hundred uh, maybe 150, 200 people, and we were thrilled when nearly a thousand people showed up to watch the Jesus film. During this week of ministry, we saw a total of about 80 people come to know Christ as their Savior, and a church is being planted there. So please pray for these people. God is moving. We saw much fruit and uh, still much more to come in the days ahead of us. Evangelist Ethan LaCroix brought a team of five pastors from the U.S. He has a ministry called Missions Initiative Teams in which he brings pastors to mission trips all over the country, all over the world, and really helps to instill in them a passion for missions to take home to their own people and to give them a vision for uh, going out into the uttermost and fishing for men. It's a wonderful ministry. Leaving the Entebbe area, we made our way up to Arua, stopping at Murchison Falls National Park. And I really wanted to show these men a site that reminds me of the key to all successful missions work. And that is the life of Jesus Christ by His Spirit living in each one of us. And as we stood there all together watching these falls, it was a powerful reminder of that reality. stopped for a little while for one of many significant prayer meetings in which we sought the Spirit of God for a fresh anointing and power for service and to give us a, a consciousness of our need of that divine life as we went about the work. Our first stop as a team was Kaboko where we met Pastor Daniel. Pastor Daniel introduced us to the mayor of Kaboko who personally desired to dedicate this new salvation book 
called Wise Unto Salvation. It's just recently translated for the Kakwa people. And I also had the opportunity to train using the Wise Unto Salvation book. And after that, uh, some of the men on the team ministered to the people with some encouraging words. Because I have this in my hand. Joseph was, he was sold into slavery by his brother. But God was with him. Our journey up the mountain to Abeso was long, bumpy, and had lots of unexpected surprises. Our Muslim driver and his weak van were not accustomed to carrying uh, so many well-fed Americans. So there were times where we had to walk, and so we did. But uh, it's hard for me to explain the joy of walking along and thinking about entering into a village where the people there had no light, had no gospel, and now the gospel had come. And to wonder, what are we going to see when we enter this village after seven months? MIT Uganda and fixing to enter a village that is up high in the mountain here, a village of probably under 100 people. It has a baby church in it. Incredible experience. Pastor Joshua is really our key man in Abeso. Before he was saved, he was a school teacher and had some students always showing up late. And they explained that they lived way up in the mountains, and that's why they were late all the time. So he decided to inspect, and he followed them one day back to their village and discovered that they were not lying. They were telling the truth. After he got saved, it was this remembrance that brought him back to this village where he came and planted the gospel of Jesus Christ and now a church is there. 81 year old Matthew stood up to give a testimony and he began by reminiscing of the two white people that came to his village seven months earlier and he even remembered our age. He was thanking God that some of his own sons had gotten saved as well as their wives and that they were studying uh, the Word of God there in the new church and he was praying and asking for prayer that he himself might be one of those who would come to faith in Christ. He's not saved yet. Please pray for Matthew. He asked that by the end of the month many would be saved and that the church would be full. As we left that day our hearts were full of all that God had done 
and the miracle of light planted in the midst of darkness. of our five-day journey brought us to Ajumani and our dear friend Pastor David, a pastor's conference of uh, over 20 pastors and some deacons and other church leaders came together for some preaching and uh, evangelist Ethan did a wonderful job preaching to these men. God had chosen another leader and his name was Joshua. Can you imagine? And just ministering to their hearts in preaching and in singing. And it was just a, a joy to be among these pastors and these church leaders and talk with them and share their burdens and laugh with them. And I, I think it was very profitable so many godly men there in Ajumani who are wanting training and we have been praying for over a year now and have been convinced that God wants us to build a training center in Ajumani, Pastor David being the key leader of that uh, training center. Already uh, about one-third of the cost for the training center has been donated. On our second day in Ajumani we split up into two teams and helped with two pastors that are starting new churches. One of those, uh, Pastor Robert, met in a school, and uh, God is using him in a great way there. And Brother Pastor Michael preached to these dear people. And then also in the second one, uh, Pastor Stephen from Georgia preached at um, Tony Isaac's new church. Tony Isaac's a great man of God, poisoned for his faith in Jesus and his outspoken testimony and his diet is very limited. He's sick nearly every day of his life, but he serves God faithfully. And they saw people saved, they saw lives changed, and even had the privilege of seeing about 30 to 40 people baptized after that service. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, and he shined like a light in the darkness. This team from America was a great team, and they were spent, and they spent for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and really shared hearts of love with the people. And at the end of that journey, I think all of us were very tired, but were very satisfied with what God had done. that you understand you don't have to hike four miles up into a mountain to South Sudan to find people walking in darkness. It may be much closer than you realize. It may be looking out your window or across the desk at work. It may be walking across the street. Everywhere there are people who are in darkness and you are the answer to their need.